Are you annoyed by broadcasters calling for baseball to be played the right way when you really just want to hear Sean Doolittle's Star Wars rankings? Do you hate that your owner traded away your favorite player just months after you bought their jersey? I actually just bought their jersey. I, I don't understand your jersey thing. Just buy the jersey. But anyway, let's move on. Do you love your local minor league team but hate the way that owners are slashing it for profit? Do you wonder aloud if Rob Manfred has ever even watched a baseball game? Well, we've been searching for that answer right here every week for the last four years. We're talking you through all of that. Plus, the never-ending joke about the diversification of Ross Stripling's stock portfolio over at Tipping Pitches. Available on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping Pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya! Hey everybody, welcome back to There Is No Offseason. It's BP's only daily Dynasty podcast. If you have a minute, uh, take a, take some time, give us a rating, review, send us an email, drop us a line in any of the channels at Tino Podcast on Twitter, tinopodcast at gmail.com, patreon.com slash tinopodcast. We love you guys, we love the feedback, so keep it coming. I'm Mark Berry, I'm back, I'm a writer at Baseball Prospectus, with me as always on the other line, he's the fantasy editor at BP, and he is the number one Rowan Wick fan that I have ever come across it's JP Breen. JP, what's up, buddy? First of all, thrilled to have you back. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and not just because that means we get Craig off, but thrilled to have you back, bud. The other the other thing is, I that means that you actually went through and listened to last week's episode, which I apologize. No, I listened to I listened to most of it. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of Rowan Wick. I'll be honest. There was a lot more than I was expecting. There was a lot of Rowan Wick, and part of that is because you know what else do you have to talk about during reliever week? But um, you know, but the other thing too is I forget, like, I forget sometimes what it's like to argue with Craig, <laughs> and I yeah. appreciate it, right? But like sometimes I feel like he's defending something that I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. But he says it in a way in which you still want to engage, which was his entire thing on Twitter, right? When he started to do the, you know, the hot dog is a sandwich thing and he would just put out like random lists and that he wanted to just argue with people about, you know, it's what we love about him. But I sometimes forget what it's like to do that in a podcast setting. And it just like went forever. Yeah, I there were um, a couple different points in that conversation where I was listening and I'm thinking to myself. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. But then that didn't, but that's not where it ended in the conversation. It was, yeah, but this is what we're talking about with this and Rowan Wick, Rowan Wick, he's pretty good. And you know what he, you know what he is? And I was like, oh my God, I probably would have just conceded the point and been like, yeah, you're right. Let's move on. Uh, that's not how it went though. So there was a lot of Rowan Wick. I, I prepared a rebuttal. Um, I, clocked it last night and i think it's coming in just under 17 minutes yeah uh so if you want if you want me to do that now if not we can wait till the end and i'll just um do my soliloquy on on rowan wick and the value of relievers um, at the end of the show we're gonna put it into the uh special section of bp 
Yeah, it's a it's a Patreon bonus. Only gold only gold members. <laughs> only 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 a level that doesn't really exist on the page. It's <laughs> right. like the it's like the secret McDonald's menu. Mm-hmm. It's the, you just have to know. You have to give the handshake and like yep. the the special wink, and you're good. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's good to be done with reliever week. Um, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, but it's also been good to get to what we've been doing at uh, at BP this week, which is the the model portfolios, and it's been good mm-hmm. to see. And we've had. The various recaps coming from from John and Brett and and Mike in terms of their expert draft recaps and and kind of working through how they construct a team. You know, we learned that Brett absolutely hates pitching, and so what he what did he decide to do this year? Why even invest anything in pitching if you hate pitching so much? And so it was good to see a lot of different strategies and a lot of different ways to go, to go through. And then it was really interesting to see. John, uh, John Hagelin for Friday here. I'm trying to figure out what day it was. Um, <laughs> he published his draft and hold. And it was funny because you had like Brett who was like, I struggle to, I've struggled to find good pitching in the past. And so I decided to kind of like lean into what I've had success with and, you know, why invest in something that I've struggled to find. Mm-hmm. And then you had John who was very much like, I would love to spend money on pitching. And it just like didn't happen. And so he ended up getting kind of backed into something he didn't really want to do. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, I mean, I know that uh, this is a dynasty show and we'll talk about plenty of prospects that could make the big league rosters just out of camp. But um, in a redraft sense, I've, I've found that a lot this offseason especially starting pitching has gotten pushed up so much that if you don't go if you don't get pitching in the first two rounds you're almost forced into either a massive reach or you're going to have to piecemeal something in the middle of the draft and and I do think that there are interesting guys there in um in that range it's just harder to to make any selections with any confidence that okay i know what i'm getting it's you still it's still a risky proposition and you don't necessarily um have a ton of faith in okay this guy is going to be good i can pencil him in for a bunch of strikeouts good rates it's just gonna have to be play the hot hand and hopefully you bet on some skills that could pop yeah absolutely or you do what john did and go with old guys Mm mm-hmm Right, like it's it's the folks like Charlie Morton who end up falling because nobody really wants to go into what is he thirty eight thirty seven thirty eight might as well be seventy. Yeah, that's what in my uh, TGFBI team I just didn't like any of the the values that fell to me in in my specific draft spots. I had um, Acuna at, with my second pick, and then didn't like any of the the pitching in rounds two or three, and ended up with like a. Patrick Corbin, Herman Marquez, Marco Gonzalez, and then and then got a pair of really good relievers. So you got you got some guys that have shown skills before, and it's just been a question of consistency. And so I'm just like, all right, maybe this is it. And if not, then I'm probably screwed anyways. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, but I mean, like even even if we kind of like take a macro view of it, outside of like four or five starters consistency is a massive issue Mm -hmm. right and so 
and this is something that I did with my model portfolios. I was like, there are four or five pitchers that I actually really like as elite options. I'm just going to take the least expensive one, which was Shane Bieber and, and then move on. Um, and I was really surprised. And I, this is actually something I wanted to bring up, um, because I wanted to understand it a little bit more because I think this is also something that's happening in dynasty because I actually just went through a, supplemental draft Mm -hmm. and Madison Bumgarner didn't get picked by anyone. He's still (laughs) sitting out there on the waiver wire, Um, which I actually, I have a, I have a co-manager Ryan and, and I tried to, I floated Madison Bumgarner that got shot down pretty quickly. Um, And I don't really understand the Bumgarner hate this year. Yeah, it's like, I, I, will probably have him in my um in my edition of the model portfolio um mostly just cuz my theme is uh 2020 uh shorting 2020 these guys can't all be bad now and it's basically yeah. just guys who sucked last year and I think are not bad players. Yeah. But does that mean you have no so, Narva- you have Omar Narvaez or do you have Mitch Garver? Mitch Garver. Yeah. Um so with with Bumgarner it's weird because for so long he was so steady and durable you're like all right well eventually this won't last eventually this won't maintain and so that kind of qualifier has been on him for years and years and years and he finally had a a couple seasons where he was middling I guess would be a um a kind representation of his performance over the last couple of years and so you're like yeah this is probably it you know he he got in his dirt bike accident or whatever and now this is just who he is and I don't know if I'm all the way there as well like he's he's only 31 and he has a lot of mile miles on the uh on the old arm but like he could be a mid-rotation guy pretty easily so I, I, yeah, I, I have him in our linear weights league and I, I, and he was on waivers. So I just picked him up and was like, Hey, who knows? Yeah. If he, he's an easy cut if it turns out that he's bad now, but I, I mean, he could be average to maybe slightly above. I don't think that I would be surprised by that outcome. But like, even when you're going through and talking about how he's been middling mm-hmm. recently, like, most of that has just been a lack of volume, right? It's the fact that he had 17 starts in 2017, he had 21 starts in 2018. I mean, he still had a sub-3-5 ERA in both of those years. Yeah. And in 2019, he had a 3-9 ERA with 207 innings pitched. Like, he's one of the few guys... And so, like, this is also what I did in my model portfolio, is basically I went with Bieber, and then I went with Corbin Burns, because I was like, if you want with a, if you want a massive strikeout rate and elite ratios and like yeah, don't, and, and don't mind that you might only get 140 innings and if like you need to fill your brewers quota well i have yes and i would you know i want to get paid so um <laughs> it's something that i was required to do right and i then was like what do you need after you have somebody who can come in and give you elite rates or two people who can give you elite ra- uh, elite rates is you want volume, right? And so mm-hmm. I went with Dallas Keuchel. But then Madison Baumgartner is still somebody that in, tw- in uh, 2019, he went 200 plus innings, which is super rare. And 
Yes, he had a 6-4 ADRA last year. He was dreadful. It was nine starts. He gave up a lot of home runs. A lot of home runs. But, like, if anybody else in any other year was making this assumption after nine starts, they'd be laughed out of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, home, and so, it's to run to fly ball rate, 10 percentage points, uh, higher than his previous high. So, yeah, there's there's some reason to believe that those rates are going to come down, too. Well, and there's like the conversation about the ball this year and and all of that too. So, and I think I was wondering like how much of it is just everybody's like, well, he left San Francisco now, like the it, he left the park. And I think, so, yeah, I think that that's that definitely plays into it. I think the combination of that and people have been thinking like, oh, how many years in a row can you throw 200 innings without your arm falling off? And then then he struggles last year and you're like see told you yeah he's done well and i do wonder too like because to be fair right like the biggest concerns with me for last year was the home run rate paired with the massive velocity loss right like but at the same time as you said when you're talking about your model when you're talking about your model portfolio i mean how much are we really thinking about you know 2020 is something that really made a lot of sense for anyone (laughs) no um well and then i I was just listening to the effectively wild um preview like they've been doing a lot of good um a lot of good stuff uh, along with the five and dive on on this year podcast network has been a an awesome preview series um they were talking about Bumgarner just getting overloaded with data from the diamondbacks and Mm. at a certain point he was just like this is too much. Uh, let me just simplify everything. And he also didn't, uh, he didn't throw as much during lockdown before the season than he would like. And so it was just, it was just a weird year. And I don't think that that's going to be breaking any news, but I would Mm -hmm. give the benefit of the doubt to almost everyone for their 2020 season. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, like there are a couple of different things that end up happening, right? Like number one, it's encouraging to see, even if we take spring, you know, statistics with a grain of salt or whatever, it's at least positive to see these throwing the ball well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one wants to take that into consideration a little bit. And then there's always the conversation of being like, yeah, he was inundated with data and, and that might be true, but also like, that's kind of on Arizona in terms of like, he's, it's not that he's inundated with data. It's just presented to him in a way that's bad. Mm-hmm. Right, like you, they just need to figure out something because now, like now, what kind of is happening, right? Is like it sounds to me like what you're saying, and I, I didn't listen to the the podcast. Is it sounds like Bumgarner's just like, well, never mind, I, I'm not going to do data anymore, and you're like, well, <laughs> that's not good either, right? Like that was, and, I mean, I if if you told me that somebody that was a pitcher said something like that. He would probably be in my short list of of guesses. <laughs> well, there's also like right because it's it's everything that because Bomb because Bumgarner uses data. It's just he doesn't think of it as data, right? He thinks of it as you know all the things that he's used to, and he thinks of data as things that he's not used to. Yeah, and and so it's just a matter of being able to present information in a way that's uh, both intuitive and useful for somebody, and that to me, is a failure of the baseball ops side and, and trying to figure, or, you know, pitching coach or whatever, is, like, you should know how 
to communicate information to your best players uh and stupid analytics and if it's not working well it's always like my favorite thing too where there's like statistics are terrible look at batting average and you're like what (laughs) what what do you think batting average is like don't this is so stupid um so anyway uh i think that that makes a lot of makes a lot of sense i still think Baumgartner is like I still think he can go, I don't know, like, what do you want to say? Like 175 to 200 innings and give you a four ERA. Like, and that is something over the course of a year. If you can get for a dollar or two. Yeah. um, Pagoda has him at 142 innings, which I, I would take the over. Uh, I know that they're being conservative because it's a projection system and they're, and they're really conservative. And they're building in the previous years, too, when he missed from his, like, dirt bike injury and all that, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just love that, like, the dirt, his dirt bike injury just plays such a big part in the last handful of seasons. It's just <laughs> funny to me. Um, so, another, uh, when we're, I wanted to talk about some of these prospects that are going to be, well, I'm, I'm sorry. First of all, did you have any more Madison Bumgarner thoughts? Did you want to talk about the rodeo? Do you want to talk about, like, cattle roping or anything? I do have one more thought, if that's okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, please. Apparently to Nick Picoro of, uh, of the Arizona Republic, he was experimenting with a new delivery in the B game hmm. on the backfields on Sunday. Awesome. That, that seems like maybe something you want to have under control before like your second to last start in spring training i just love the idea of like madison Baumgartner trying to channel his inner like bronson arroyo and just being like i'm gonna throw from just an absolute ton of arm angles have fun. what if it's like he's gonna be throwing right-handed now <laughs> tries to become a little bit more ambidextrous i just uh-huh. thought of it like he wants to do kind of the left-handed version of Mike Fires, and then also still come from the left side, come from like a little bit of a low three-quarter slot, like just extreme over overhand. I mean, I'm 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 here for it. Whatever is going to help his shoulder after his dirt bike accident. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, that uh, I just saw that on the uh, RotoWire. So uh wanted to bring that up because, God, I don't know what new delivery means, but that's fun. So let's talk about some guys who are poised to make the the big league roster. Some of them have been announced to um, be in the rotation or to be in the lineup. Some of them are, we're, we're betting that that's a likely outcome. Mm-hmm. So let's, first I wanted to talk about the White Sox who just lost um, Eloy Jimenez for several months um, a torn pectoral and it's it's too bad because you are going to hear a bunch of people talking about how he shouldn't play defense and you're like okay i i understand that he's bad at defense but i don't know if that means that he can't not or that he can't like stay upright like this was for by all accounts this is a pretty fluky um kind of injury you wouldn't expect something like this to happen right well and it's it's the whole thing too like if he would have twisted his ankle or broken his ankle by sliding into a base or something it's not Mm -hmm. like everyone would be like never mind for hitters you shouldn't be allowed to run anymore yeah like designated runner yeah like it was a terrible (laughs) dude let me tell you what jared dyson still have a job designated runner 
Yeah, I um, I used I used to always get the designator drunner when I played because I was <laughs> what you would call a slow a slow 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 person. Um, no, 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 what they wanted to do was preserve your bat and not make you tired. Okay, yeah, m- must be it was so I can get back into the dugout and put on the shin guards, uh, you know, and have plenty <laughs> of time to, to speed up the game. But yeah, I was always I was anytime I got on base, it was like okay, courtesy runner. Uh, yeah, th- thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, any anyway, um, Andrew Vaughn is being tr- tried out in left field. Yeah. Um, that now that kind of does seem like a bad idea. <laughs> um, normally, normally you can be like, all right, well, if if they're not very good, you can just put them in left field or put them at first base. And while that may be true, that also seems like a tough ask to be like, hey, Andrew Vaughn, I know that you haven't played in a major league game before, but here's major league game and a new position that you have no idea what you're doing. Um, he was probably on track to make the team anyways, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is going to factor in at all, but um, it, it does look like Andrew Vaughn is going to be in the lineup on opening day. Yeah, I mean, that's how it looks, and... There is that piece of, is that going to, is trying to learn a new position, if he in fact does play left field, is that going to affect his bat? Um, And there's obviously no way to assume that. There are going to be some people that say like, yeah, absolutely it will. And like, we don't know. Mm -hmm. But we've seen examples of it in the past. We've also seen examples of it not mattering in the past. So I, I don't think there's a good way to know. I think we would have to listen to what Andrew Vaughn is saying. But at the same time, I can also understand why they would want to experiment with Vaughn in left field rather than going with, like, Larry Garcia or something like that and just assuming (laughs) that that's what they're going to do for 160 games. Yeah, or Nick Williams. God, is Nick Williams on that? Okay. Yeah, he's he's projected on their their bench. Isn't Billy Hamilton there, too? Um, Is he still? That's That's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, because he was in Cleveland and then got designated, and I think you're right. I think he is uh, in the White Sox. Yep, non-roster invite for the White Sox. Well, if they just put if they just put Billy Hamilton in center, then like Andrew Vaughn wouldn't even have to move. I mean, ostensibly, that's what they have with Luis Robert. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so they could. I'm excited to see him actually hit against major league pitching. I'm less excited to see what he does in left field. Yeah. Um, the other prospect eligible guy that is pretty much locked in into the lineup is Dick Madrigal, who's gonna at, who's probably gonna hit ninth. He's probably gonna hit 300, and he's probably gonna steal 30 bases. Um, and hit I don't four homers. Yeah. He's going to hit 300, and his OBP is going to be like 320. His slug is going to be like 395. Does he not walk very much? I mean, he Uh, might not. I don't know. Yeah. He does not. No. All right. Um, Just just under 4% last year. Yes, good. Get him in there. So another name that I was a little bit surprised of, I guess less surprised after seeing what happened this spring, is Alex Kirilov got sent down. Um, mm. That just that seemed like it was in pen for most of the offseason that he was going to be in the lineup. He was going to break 
club with uh, break camp with the big club. And he was just awful in spring training. Not that that really matters, but I guess uh, they just thought that maybe some fine tuning would would be helpful. Where are you at on on Kirloff? Because he was being taken as a like this guy's going to be playing and he's going to be in the lineup right away um, sort of guy uh, in draft season. Mm-hmm. Are you tempering your expectations of what he can do this year? I mean, Kirloff was like one of my dudes in like 2016. Um, and so I was like super stoked about what he could potentially do. Yeah. And I've, it's, it's been like, what would that be? Four or five consecutive seasons of me like cooling off. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's at this point that you get somewhere in which I'm like, I don't know where the impact is. And it's not that I'm saying that, you know, Kirilov is a, is a, bad hitter or anything of of that sort it's just i don't know where the path to fantasy impact is outside of volume Mm -hmm. and and that's fine but currently i think he's being taken as he has a path to something more you know he has a path to to fantasy impact value somewhere outside of volume and i'm not it's got to be faith in his power like i think yeah his average yeah, but it makes, yeah, not not. Ugh. You're not holding that hope for that average. Well, no, it's. I think it. I think it could be fine. I just, mm-hmm. I just. Do I really want I somebody who's like first base outfield? I'm not banking on average as being my carrying tool there. Yeah, no, that's fair. I it, it was. It was interesting. I, I guess um, in a lot of these situations where there where service time is in play, mm-hmm. the like bad springs can be easily um, used as an excuse. Like you know, I we maybe just a, a little bit more polish. Um, I, I don't know that this was a service time thing, but it will it will help them as far as service time is concerned. Yeah, and that's that certainly could be. Um, I don't want to discount that. But there's also there's also this piece too where it's like Kirilov also hasn't had an ISO over 200 since 2018 in low A, mm. like, and yeah he hit you know 283 in double A, but like he had nine homers and over 400 plate appearances. He didn't walk that much. I just is it are we getting to a place in which? You know, if we're if we're thinking of like a first baseman, how is he that much different than like would you want Kirilov more than Eric Hosmer, who like everybody apparently hates? <laughs> far, far be it from me to defend Alex Kirilov as a top prospect because I think I've been lower on him than most. But he did have like a hand wrist injury in there and they've been tweaking his swing in the last couple of years, so there might be a reason that the power is down a little bit. Also, if you thought it was a possibility, maybe tender Eddie Rosario instead of being forced to play Jake Cave. <laughs> I think that's a fair... I think that is uh, eminently fair. It's it's always nice to hear from the the noted Alex Kirilov defender. Mm-hmm. That's actually like what we were doing when we were setting this entire thing up, <laughs> is we were trying to make sure that somebody who absolutely adores Kirilov... But, you know, there is, I don't know, it's, if he is playing, you know, 
Can he play center field? I don't. Uh, I don't I mean, think so. Right? Yeah, I would. I would think that if that's the case, it would be poorly. Yeah. For when you mean when Buxton gets hurt? <laughs> Man, yeah. It's it's the the Twins have like so many players that are interesting in a lot of different ways, and mm-hmm. and like you can go a pretty much across the board and be like, well. No, it, that's actually not fair. I'd say about half of them. You could go across the board and, see, and say, like, Kirilov, well, I could see that going really well, or I could see that being <laughs> pretty irrelevant quickly. Yeah. You know, Buxton, he could be an absolute all-star, or he could, you know, do what he's been doing and hit under 200 and, and get hurt. You know, Miguel Sano. Exactly. Like, Miguel Sano, same thing. Mitch Garver, same thing. Like, you could just go, and then, of course, I was like, well, then you get to, like, you know, Nelson Cruz and, like, Jorge Polanco and Luis Wright. Like, we know what they are. And yeah. You're just like, that's, yeah. I mean, then you get to the parts where you're like, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> well, one person, uh, to stick with the Twins and to stick with rookies, you picked Ryan Jeffers for your model portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, on, or before this this last season and doing some of the write-ups and working on the the prospect stuff, I wasn't really familiar with Jeffers, but it seems like he's he's a guy that's been just steadily rising up a lot of these lists and and definitely through the organization. And he's as it stands is penciled in as the starter on day one for for Minnesota. Um, what is it mostly just? the lineup could be pretty good and it seems like he can hit a little bit uh, that, that drew you to Jeffers. Yeah. I mean, mostly it's, it's the fact that I think he can, I don't know, hit 265 with a little bit of power and, and he can walk some and be in a good lineup and get 300, 350 plate appearances over the course. Like, I think he's got good recognition of what he's doing at the plate. Um, I still think he's somebody who can, I don't know if, like you would say, his game power is all that good, but he can certainly run into him. Uh, and I think he's a good defender. And it's just like, across the board, I think he's just, he's solid. Like, he's not anybody that you would want to go out and say, like, dude, this dude is going to be a top five fantasy catcher for, you know, for years, right? It, like, we're not in that Is he maybe, there. like, good Omar Narvaez, like, years, similar production? Or do you think uh, that there's a level beyond I think he's better. I think he's better hitter than, mm-hmm. than Narvaez. I think Narvaez might be able to hit for a little bit more power because Narvaez tries to hit everything seventeen miles in the air. Sure, but it's one of those that it's just like I think he's a good, competent hitter, and I'm trying to think of like a good a good comp in terms of like somebody who's just been around for years and that I'm like, it's, he just kind of reminds me of, of so-and-so and I'm pulling up a different page here in my internet. Yadier Molina. So just give me a quick second. It's a lit. So like, I don't know in terms of like scouting, if this makes sense, but in terms of like statistics and what I could see is like mm-hmm. recent Kurt Suzuki. Okay. Right. Like, you know, 2017 <laughs> Suzuki had hit 283 with 19 homers. Right. 2019, he had 17 homers, 264. Like, which think, so so basically, it, it sounds rougher based on that on the name than yeah. you're intending it to. I think everybody thinks of Kurt Suzuki and they think of like 2014 when he hit three homers, right? Like, yeah. 
But recently, and if you look back at what Mike has been writing for the the tiered rankings, and like I'm much more familiar with it now since I've started like editing it because like mm-hmm. you know now I read them now I read every single one of them a lot more closely than I used to. Is is like every single year he's like Suzuki is somebody who's going to get playing time and he's going to hit, um, and you know it's like is he going to get enough volume to be to be relevant and it's if i had to go through and i was thinking of like what kind of player can he can he be like i'm not 100% sure that it's it's not all that different than Sean Murphy to me yeah th- that's fair i like Sean Murphy yeah and i mean Sean Murphy i think might might hit for a little bit more power and and Jeffers you know might hit for a little bit better average but you know, over the course of just like thinking about Sean Murphy, nobody's like, "Oh, he's going to be a top two dude." It's not, you know, the upside of like Gary Sanchez or somebody like that. But it's like Sean Murphy. They're like, he's going to be like the eighth best fantasy catcher for like the next eight years. Um, yeah. So, so basically, what you're looking at is not going to be the best, and then is just in that kind of middle tier of rosterable in shallow mixed leagues. Yeah, it's like extremely rosterable plus an excellent lineup around him. Mhm. Yeah, it's pretty good. Now now all he has to do is keep the job over Mitch Garver. <laughs> that I he doesn't even have to keep it over him. He just like needs to be good enough to do like a 50-50 split, right? Yeah. Um let's stay in the division. The Tigers, Casey Mize, uh mm. Tarek Skubal are in the rotation to start the season and is tell me why the best hitting prospect in the entire Tigers organization is Akil Badu. Why? Because he switched teams. <laughs> I mean, and especially when it looks like Torkelson is is probably going to bust out or uh, a bu- <laughs> bust, I mean, um z- zero 48 batting average, 13 strikeouts, and 24 plate appearances in spring training. So if if you are looking to unload Torkelson, it might be too late because that ship uh, has probably already sailed. So apologize. Well, and if you're looking at what could happen to Andrew Vaughn if he has to play left field, it's what you get for playing Torkelson at third base. Yep. Uh, but Akil Badu, uh, other, on the other hand, has already hit four home runs. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I was so Akil Badu is like my Alex Kirilov for <laughs> you when I was like psyched about him in 2017, and yeah. then every year subsequent was like, eh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess he's fine. And yeah. then uh, we we finally dropped him in TDGX maybe last before last year's draft. I don't think anybody picked him up either in the supplemental. Uh oh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but. I was thinking about it the other day, uh, especially because we were doing the expert mock draft, and uh, when Tom took him in like the tenth round or whatever to to have him on, I was like, I don't know, I actually think he was taken in any. And I wrote about him for the rebuilding a dynasty as somebody mm-hmm. who you could target as a high minors guy. So like, I was thinking about it, but I don't think anybody ever did it. Well, yeah, and and that's a good that's a good shout because on on these bad teams where you have the guys that are 
kind of switching uh, switching roles, switching scenery. And we mentioned Nick Williams, and I was pretty much joking. But if he plays, who who knows? Maybe he'll be good for a couple months, and mm-hmm. you can flip him or you can use him for those couple months. But mm-hmm. I, I like taking a shot on some of those guys that are going to be playing um, – even for the bad teams, like for like uh, Baltimore, that's what I was high on Yusniel Diaz, like uh, heading into last year for that reason, or um, any number of guys they really have. Uh, well, and it's why their team is going to be terrible. Yeah, and it's why a little bit you like uh, you've talked about. Um, oh God, with the Pirates, uh, Jared Oliva. Have I? Last year you did. Oh. Yeah, either that or Mason uh, or Mark. Mason Martin, Martin Mason. Mm. Yeah, so whichever it, whichever way his name goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much just throwing darts at who's going to be playing in some of these situations that are relative. And, and Miami had a, a million of these guys last year before they were kind of good with Jesus Sanchez and um, before they brought in guys like Adam Duvall and Corey Dickerson and Starling Marte, like. Uh, mm-hmm. Magnier, uh, Magnus Sierra um, was another one that, and Harold Ramirez was there for a minute. And I'm not saying any of these guys are good or will continue to be good, but it, you'll be able to decide if they're going to be rosterable from here on out, kind of now when they have the chance, when they have the opportunities to actually play. Absolutely. And this, you know, and like obviously, you know. I- Got to mention the Brewers, otherwise I don't get paid. Yeah, you have to. Um, is, like, the the Akil Badu situation reminds me of what the Brewers were able to do with Keon Broxton. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, Keon Broxton, for, like, a hot minute, was actually a nice little dynasty piece um, when he had, what, like, a good month and a half or whatever and looked as a, that he could be a power speed guy and then wasn't any good. And was he with the Mets now? I don't remember where he went. Um, but there's... A scenario in which you can see somebody like Badu who has extreme hit and uh, swing and miss issues, but has some speed, has some raw power. Could he run into it for a couple of weeks? We're seeing that he can do it in spring training. Like, if you can kind of spend nothing on it and you understand that a team like, you know, you were talking about the, the um, you were talking about Miami, and but like the Tigers fundamentally have the gift of time. Mm-hmm. If Badu's not good for the first two weeks, it doesn't really matter. They can still just trot him out there. Um, the entire point of getting somebody like Badu on the roster is that you have an opportunity to do that. And I think that Dynasty, uh, rebuilding Dynasty teams have that opportunity too. Like, you can just put Badu on your roster and just be like, mm, I don't know, maybe this can be somebody who sticks. Yeah. And if he doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's not like you're competing for a title and you're like i don't want to waste a roster spot on somebody that i'm not sure who can contribute you don't have to worry about that and the weird thing is that that's kind of happened that's basically the rationale we were giving for madison Bumgarner. yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so uh w- when we we're talking about the the tigers pitching um yeah. Tarek scuball casey mize they should be in the rotation right now are you looking at either one of them i i, I know that we've mentioned these guys several times before but now that it looks like it's actually gonna happen where they're gonna just get some big league run and unless they fail miserably will probably just stay up um i i've 
I know that we've expressed some trepidation about Scooball in the past, and I, and I, he's he's looked good in the spring, but I don't know if that has really changed anything for me. Um, I'd be in, a little bit more interested in Mize, but he's just so hit or miss with health. So I don't I don't know what all we're getting um, bulk wise out of him. I, I would I would be more interested in Mize than Scooball. But I don't know if I'm gung ho on either of them for this year. Uh, wh- where are you at with these two? Are you are you taking one over the other? I'm uh, pretty easily Mize over Scooball. Mm-hmm. I and I agree with you about the worries about health when it comes to somebody like Mize. But like, what would you be willing to say right now? Right, you have you're trying to acquire Mize. Like, what what is mm-hmm. the type of return that you would be looking to to give up with, or to to give up? to get somebody like Mize? Um, I don't know, maybe a, um, a couple, like, 40 to 75 prospects. Okay, yeah, so I was going to say, like, if I told you, you know, straight up you could do Casey Mize for Brandon Marsh, do you want it? Yeah, I'd probably do that. Okay, and so, and it's like, you know, we can kind of progress up the, the food chain or whatever, mm-hmm. but, but like recognizing that you're in to the point where, you know, Brandon Marsh obviously hasn't had the, the greatest spring, or at least didn't the last time that I was looking. Um, ha- is kind of, what, 60 to 70 range? Is that right? Something like that for Dynasty? I don't yeah, that sounds, right. that sounds right. Um, but, like, if you get up to somebody like Riley Green, I don't think there's any way you're making that trade, right? But that's just no. because of your personal preference. Right, yeah. Yeah. So... Casey Mize is somebody that you would like to acquire if the price is right, but he's not somebody that you're going to go out and seek. Yeah, that, that, I'd say that's fair. Um, Brandon Marsh, just for for context, in the most recent Dynasty prospect rankings that came out this week, uh, is number forty four yeah. on that list. Casey Mize thirty one, and he's and Casey Mize is actually one spot higher than Riley Green. Well, we'll we'll submit your. Uh complaint to the complaint department yeah i need i'm i demand to speak with the manager absolutely <laughs> you're entitled to do that i think craig, i think craig would take it very seriously um i was just trying i just like in my sorry in my head i was imagining what <laughs> craig's response would have been like and how many expletives he would have dropped um but so when you're looking at somebody like scooball is that somebody that you'd even want to roster I see. I, I don't. I don't usually like to to uh, speak in definitives mm-hmm. um, or absolutes. Would be a better way to say that. But I just don't think that I'm ever going to match up with somebody on Scooball where I'm getting him at the discount that I would need because of how, because I'm feel like I'm lower on him than maybe the crowd. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it makes plenty of sense. I think for me, the way I would sum it up is if I could get him off waiver wire, I'd love to do it. But yeah. I'm, I'm not going to trade anything for him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, if I could get him for nothing, that's fine. But otherwise, <laughs> or, or just get him for a roster spot, that is. Yeah, which would never happen because he should be rostered, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, And yeah. that's what you say when you're never going to match up. It's not that like he doesn't have value. It's just... Like, what is the likelihood that you match up with somebody who, like, already has him rostered but doesn't really care for him that much, so wants to move him for something that's not really anything 
to get to that point, he'd probably have to be really bad in April and May, which would be like, then why are you going to acquire him in the first place? Mm -hmm. So, like, it just doesn't really make sense to ever match up in that regard. So, using Brett and Jesse's top 400, would Mm -hmm. you rather have Scooball or Tristan McKenzie? Oh, I'd rather have McKenzie. Would you rather have Scooball or George Kirby? Kirby. Scooball or Spencer Howard? Oh, Howard. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that we're, we're we're on the same page as far as he's just lo- we're just lower on him than a lot of a lot of uh, others. So all, all those names were right around him on the list. Yeah. Um, but I I would pretty comfortably have. Well, how, how about uh, Scooball or Trevor Rogers? Mm. And that that can take That's us a, into some of the a, Marlins yeah, that might be. I would say it's a good question. I think of them kind of, I, I think of them very similarly. Like two mm-hmm. two pitchers who are going to have home run problems and could be absolute ratio disasters, but can miss bats. Mm-hmm. So I think that those to me are are very similar. Okay. Um, well, yeah. The the uh, it looks like Rogers is is going to be in the rotation to start the season in Miami, and it also looks like uh, Jazz Chisholm may have played his way into a spot too. So um, I don't know if you're on either one of those guys. Uh, we we took we took Trevor Rogers in the in the listeners league, Heck and yeah, I'm and it, it pretty much like after that happened, the Rogers buzz just started incrementally getting hotter so i'm i was pretty fired up about about that pick in retrospect are you a trendsetter maybe i've always thought of you as a trendsetter i well i appreciate that and and i don't know if i would say that about myself but if other people said that about me i don't know if i would disagree i i my understanding of trendsetters is um they just do their thing and everybody else appreciates. Mm-hmm. You know? That sounds about right. Yeah. So Jazz uh so Jad Chisholm had a he was solid throughout spring training, uh still showed that he's gonna strike out a bit, uh mm-hmm. hit some homers, obviously stole some bases. It's the whole power speed thing with average concerns. And the question was whether or not it was gonna be Chisholm or it was going to be uh Isan Diaz or you know, John Birdie's floating around um and i was really interested in what was going to happen with diaz diaz has had an absolutely terrible spring mm-hmm. but the front office for uh miami has actually come out and kind of praised what diaz has been doing all spring and saying the results haven't been there but actually they think process wise and how hard he's hitting the ball they actually have been quite pleased yeah um so I was really interested to see what's going to happen at second base there. I would probably want to stay away from both. Um, though I don't think, like, Isan Diaz actually costs anything. But Yeah, one thing one thing about a Jazz that I thought was interesting was he struck out over 30% of the time. Like, it's, it's a, an abbreviated sample in an abbreviated season, so mm-hmm. we're not going to make, like, broad um, generalizations about this. But... He he struck out over thirty percent of the time, but his swing strike rate was under ten percent. So um, I don't know if that's one of those Yohan Moncada things where if you're maybe a little bit more aggressive, then you uh, wouldn't strike out as much. Um, his his contact rate was 
about league average. His zone contact rate was a lot better than league average. Um, so it's a profile that I'm I'm interested in, and I I do think in, in redraft, if you wanted to um, take a shot at uh, Jazz like later and and hope for that power speed, then um, then I think that that be that that could be a, a solid move. And I also think that his value was probably a little higher last year around this time in a dynasty context. Even I don't, it's probably going to be trending up if it if it comes out that he's indeed on that. Uh, opening day 26 man roster um yeah i would imagine it, it, yeah it doesn't seem like it's he's getting as much buzz maybe right now as he did last year around this time and i if so this could be one of the last times to to sneak in and, and scoop him up in a dynasty league yeah I, and so like this spring too i was just looking and he's still striking out about 30 percent of the time this spring mm-hmm. um i think anybody coming there for average is going to be disappointed but yeah, you're there for oh, for sure. You're, you're there for the power and the speed. I actually like Chisholm quite a bit for redraft leagues this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really there on the dynasty side, um, and that's not because I don't think that that Chisholm can be a useful, uh, a, a useful guy on a, a good dynasty squad. It's just, I just don't think he's ever going to hit for average. Mm-hmm. Is what it comes down to. And, like, maybe I'm just not being imaginative enough. And, or I'm, or, like, the skills there are a little bit, as you were kind of alluding to with some of the contact rates, like, maybe the skills are a little bit, I just, I just don't think he's going to be able to handle, or I don't don't think he picks up breaking ball, uh, Mm -hmm. breaking stuff enough to be able to ever hit for average. Which is fine. He doesn't have to. But... You know, in a world in which everybody has decided that Javi Baez is somebody they don't really want anymore either. Well, it's a little it's a little weird, right? Because in fantasy, it doesn't really matter if he hits for average as long as he's hitting for some power and is running. But if he's not hitting for any sort of average, then he might play less in real life. So that kind of screws you in fantasy. Like well, it's all it all is sort of interconnected. Yeah, though, I mean, to be fair, I think it does matter if he hits for average in, in, in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to be a top 75 dynasty prospect, you have to hit for average. It, it, or at least you can't be an absolute sinkhole. Mm-hmm. Um, though I will say, if you're in an OBP league, I'm actually all over Chisel. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like if if it's if it's an OBP league, I'm, I'm about that life. Because I can get kind of a low to mid-tier OBP. And I can get the power and the speed. I can get all of that stuff. But, like, the only th- way it makes sense for me in kind of a traditional uh, Roto League where average matters is, like, I have to I have to be able to bring him on and know that my average is going to survive. Like, because he could come in and hit 230. Yeah. But he could also, like, he, he was 25 and 17 in 2018. He was twenty one and sixteen in twenty nineteen. So he he's gonna yeah. he's gonna do both. Um, you, you hope that he hits like two. You hope that the the floor is or not the floor, but because you know you can always you can always go lower. But you hope that the baseline is like a two fifty. Yeah, and, and I mean and to go up a little bit from there. Yes, and I think that it it's one of those situations that I was like, if he was being valued like. Oh God! I don't. I 
started this conversation. I started this without like a ready-made comp in my head. <laughs> um, but like, if he was being valued at like I don't know, like one fifty to one twenty-five, something like that, like like I could see actually having quite a bit of value to to, mm-hmm. to mine there. But it's just it's the fact that he's going to steal bases that is pushing up his value so much. And that's fine. If you need stolen bases and you want to pay for it, that's fine. Um, in an average league. If an OB, OBP league, I say, actually, you know, go nuts. Um, but, yeah. It just... It's it's a strange... It's a strange value match because so much of what happens for dynasty values in terms of... of of uh, kind of like dynasty rankings more generally for prospects is it so follows top 101 for real life baseball mm-hmm. and Chisholm as of right now I think is a better real life prospect because of his upside because of his ability to you know like everything that goes into his profile right. I think is a better real life prospect than he is a fantasy prospect in a traditional roto league but, that makes sense but the problem is, is that then that then pushes up that then pushes up his fantasy value because the stolen bases are always going to give him more value. Far be it from me to poo-poo Jazz Chisholm's value as a very large fan of Jazz Chisholm. Um, but I do wonder, like, what the major league adjustment is going to be for him this year. It's very like very boomer bust. But he might still get you the rate stats anyway, because the Marlins. I don't know if the Marlins are going to move off him particularly quickly. Also, no idea why he's playing second base instead of shortstop over Rojas, because he's a much better shortstop than Rojas is. But well, but like it veteran leadership. <laughs> it it feels um, this is a weird weird podcast for Jeff come in and defend Alex Kirilov, come in and talk about that you know question chisel a little bit strange, but. It's also one of those scenarios, too, that, like, Chisholm's boom and bust, they're obviously different players. They obviously have different skill sets um, in terms of, like, arm length and swing type and stuff like that. But, you know, like, Lewis Brinson was a little bit this boom and bust guy, too. Oh, boy. Like, they're... they're wow. And it's not... <laughs> Tell me... A... In terms of I mean, boom look, and bust... I'm, look, I'm just happy that... He uh, is making the teams a second baseman because I have him in the Tino League, and I really needed to fill that spot after I think I lost like Hanser Alberto was my second baseman last year. <laughs> so I'll take my chances. Like I, I, I don't know why anybody can mention you know the Lewis Brinson boom and bust scenario around like Joe Adele, but can't mention it around Jazz Chisholm. I, I would, I would appreciate it if you did not use that around Joe Adele either. I think both. If we're have just absolutely- being completely honest. I think both have absolutely massive, massive upside. And in terms of like, do you still think Lewis Brinson has that upside? No. Okay. Like two years ago. Yeah. Every year in spring training, I see him hit like saw like three massive home runs off like some fringy (laughs) Mets up and down arm, and I'm like, oh, yeah, get back in. (laughs) And then I'm like, nah, I probably should. Maybe he's just a late breakout guy. And it's, that's, what I, you know, that's what I think for Victor Victor Mesa. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I'm sure you also have hit, seen him hit three absolute bombs off of fringy guys, too. Uh, but there's the scenario in which, like, out of those three players that I that I mentioned, who am I most confident in terms of being able to ever hit for average? Joe Adele, and then Jess Chisholm, and then, like, a massive gap, and then it's Lewis Brinson. But, mm-hmm. like, two years ago, it might be a very similar conversation. 
that's okay. my point. I think it seems I think it seems unfair now because we know what Lewis Brinson has become. But two years ago, I think that this was still a conversation that everybody was talking about. So I think we've danced around it long enough. We need to talk about one of the best hitters in spring, Um, a guy that's probably hit his way into the opening day lineup. Um, in 48 I, plate appearances, he's I assume we're talking about 458, 590. We're talking about Mitch Mitch Hanniger, right? Who has been on fire? We're talking about your favorite Jonathan India. Who oh, is? This is not where I thought we were going. Okay, now let's go. Like he's going to be playing second base. All right, let's go. This is not who I thought we were talking about. Tell me why Jonathan India is going to win the NL Rookie of the Year. Uh, Why is he going to? Yeah. Because he amasses the most plate appearances of any rookie? I don't know. (laughs) Well, I just know that you um, like Jonathan India so much that we, you know, should bring it up. Jonathan India is fine. Like, Like, he's fine. I just don't want to ever go ahead and, like invest anything in dynasty for somebody who i think is fine i'll just get this out here right now i have no opinion on jonathan india <laughs> let's go to let's go to our prospect correspondent yeah. <laughs> jeffrey paternostro to talk about an in-depth report exactly. on jonathan india pass <laughs> he says i pass it's my lunch break um yeah now i just He's fine. I don't know. What What do you want to say about him? That's No, I, I just know how much that um, you've been liking him and you've been asking about him in trades. And I finally I finally moved off of Jonathan India this offseason. And I know that that was heartbreaking for you. So <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up <laughs> Taylor Trammell. Yeah, so let's actually talk about Taylor Trammell. Um, Mitch Hanniger is... Uh, He's doing the business. Yeah, he's also hitting great, uh, which is good to see. Uh, he, I think, has been injured since twenty forever. Yeah, twenty forever. Um, so it looks like both of them will probably be in that outfield uh, to start to start the season. And and Taylor Trammell has just been destroying. Um, are what do you what do you think about I know that he hasn't been your your favorite prospect just because you know there's been some questions about how much average he'll hit for as well um I and he he's also been another one of those guys where that that we talk about like um, listen to what the team says and believe him like he's just kind of bounced around a bunch which you could you could uh, justify as well there's always a team that values him and thinks that he'll be good, but also there is a team that is willing to get rid of him. Um, is there any impact in either of those two? I guess let's start with uh, Taylor Trammell. Um, seems to me like even if you like Taylor Trammell, now is the time to probably move him in a dynasty league because after this spring, after potentially making the opening day roster, I, I would say that that value is about as high as it's going to get. Uh, so I'm just going to say, because, you know, we talked about it before, but i got to leave a couple minutes. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to get get 
say my piece on, on Taylor Trammell, striking out 37% of the time this spring anyway. Uh, and uh, far be it from me to see this as a scenario in which they bring up Taylor Trammell so they can have an argument for why they should keep uh, Julio Rodriguez and uh, Jared Kalanick down because, you know what, they're given a different prospect to try first. Yeah, it's like, look, we're not manipulating service time. We have Trammell in the lineup. And what like are you Trammell, talking about? And, like, Trammell could be fine, and that's fine, but out of, like, all of the different top prospects who you think is going to be able to have the seamless, tr- the most seamless transition to the big leagues, it's not Trammell. And who is the one that you would most want to protect the, uh, their their service time? It'd be the other two. So right. I think this is a very good way to see what you have in Trammell. I think this is a good way to see if he can have success. I still don't trust that he's ever going to hit for average. Um, it's it's a little bit more of the prospect sense of what we were talking about with the kill Badoo or yeah. something like that. Like, hey, this guy is about as ready as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. It's kind of what they did with Kyle Lewis last year. Yeah, and like if he turns out to be what Kyle Lewis has been, like that's awesome. Yeah, um, and I think that's there. Like I see, I know that you know that Jeff is somebody who's liked Tremel for a long time, and and there's obviously the power speed aspect there. There's the long term. You know, there are people that really like his his makeup and all of that. It's just he's got a new swing, JP. Yeah, Uh-oh. good. His 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 new swings helping him strike out thirty seven percent of the time this spring. Like, I don't know what to tell you. He's and just I'll, making adjustments. I mean, and that's fine. I just new delivery, but, new delivery, new him. <laughs> he's he's working with uh he's working with Madison Bumgarner on the B fields. Yeah, new new swing and up uh, and. Mitch Hanniger is my dude. Uh, like him a lot. All right. Well, we're going to hang on to some of the questions that we got. We'll, we'll answer those next week, and we'll have some real-life baseball in the regular season, in a full season, to talk about. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah, so um, yeah, check us out on all the stuff. Thank you for listening. You guys are the coolest nice to be back within striking distance of uh, major league games. So shout out to everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.